Are we starting out? <laughs> I just find this is a very, a very loose evening tonight. Uh, welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. Remember, my name is Chris, my guest. I have to tell you something. I, um, I had a heart problem. I still have a heart problem a while ago. And through my medication, I had to sit there and I had to start taking Viagra. Now, I don't know if anyone here has ever taken Viagra, but it's, uh, <laughs> even with insurance, it's a $25 pill, which is a lot for a pill because you're already buying dinner and you know buying drinks plus $25. So I found out from my doctor that there's uh, two kinds of Viagra. There's a five milligram and a 10 milligram. So I said, okay, that's, you know, basically they're the same price. So I can get that Viagra and cut it in half, which is very hard because I use a butter knife because I'm also on a blood thinner. So if I cut my finger with a blood thinner, I can bleed out trying to cut a Viagra in half, which is very embarrassing. So even then, though, it's still twelve fifty for a burger. I'm not lying, and I'm sorry. I'm already buying a movie. Uh, that's expensive. So finally, I figured out. You know, I told my girlfriend I'd do it twice because at six fifty, six twenty five for a burger, I can I can do that. You're amortizing the cost of the bill is what you're doing. But then I found out that there's Indian Viagra. A friend of mine told me about this, which is like one hundred twenty five dollars for a hundred of them. Yeah. And it's curry flavor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's curry and what's great about it is, well, first of all, you have to go to like the, the federal, the trans, whatever they're called, the uni. You, what's it, the money union, uh, credit, what's that called? Best, uh, Best Western. Western, Western, Western Union. Western Union. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, and they're like, do you want us to pay in Indian money? And I said, I guess. I don't know. It's like rubles, drama. I have no idea what it is. So I'm sitting there, and I, I pay, and they deliver it to you. And when they deliver it to you, it's, uh, it feels shady, like you're afraid you're gonna get arrested and you're like the cover boy, like Steve Cooper from Cooper Talk is arrested by Viagra <laughs> and they have it in some Indian jail. And it's like it's like that movie Midnight Express, but it's over Viagra. You just keep going around and around in the jail. Exactly. With, exactly. A, with a big heart on around it. There <laughs> so I sit there and, and the funny thing is when you get them, they're, they're chewable and they're different flavors, which is amazing. They're like Flintstone vitamins, but they're shit like penises and vaginas. And the best thing is they come in a Pez dispenser <laughs> and it has a turban on it. So that's the thing. Anyway, that's my opinion. Let's give a round of applause for the Indian boner pill bit, ladies and gentlemen. Cooper Talk, that's Steve Cooper, our host. He's going to be here all night. Coming to you live from Bob's Espresso Bar. That was the Indian boner. I got to tell you, I got a boner. Just sitting this close to you. Uh, let me tell you something, Steve. You, first of all, if you talk to any of the old folks, They'll tell you that they make a pill cutter. It's like a little guillotine for pills. Well, I'm okay, not so going to do that because that makes me say I'm old. I'm, I'm 50. I, I'm not cutting my pills. I'm going to be 50. I have a I have a boner pill cutter. Yeah, you can <laughs> I, I love the boner pills. Now, what do you pay? Do you have good insurance? I have good insurance, but it, it, you only get so many a year. I pay 25 for insurance. And I do the Cialis. It was a little cheaper and just a little chip. So I do recreational boner pills. I don't do it. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> See, this is a family. Thank God, this is a family establishment. Uh, you guys have learned about the boner pills, so that's good. By the way, you young people in the audience, young gentlemen, a little—you probably don't need the Viagra, <laughs> but a little chip—it just gives you that extra je ne sais quoi, it gives you that extra confidence. Which was funny. To go another three minutes. <laughs> so we're going to talk about his movie today and his career. I think that the whole thing is going to be about the Russians. I feel, I feel like I feel like Doctor Phil all of a sudden. The, the, the problem I had psychologically when I, when I you know I love my wife and when we first started dating and I would do a little chip. I thought, well, if I do what too do you much, do a chip? Like you actually bite it? Yeah, I just bite it off and spit it, spit the rest. Like it's like a reference. So yeah, I did a little. It's an erection enhancer if you just take a little <laughs> chip, right? I don't know. I mean, I think all that time. I'm on blood pressure medicine. I'm on, I'm on three different medications. So you I better watch it. No, but I'm fine. I was a little worried, but I know a guy who told me that he basically had a problem. He's like the same blood pressure medication as me. And if my doctor's going to prescribe me Vialis, uh, Cialis or Viagra, then I'm sure the Indians, it's the exact same thing. So you yeah, it's the same. That's, that's why I hate the pharmaceutical companies of America, because it's the exact same pill. And they're charging 25 bucks a pill 
and you gotta swallow them. And I'm getting chewable in six different flavors for 125 bucks for that's 100, and I got a signing bonus of 25 extra. Like 25 <laughs> oh, wow! So yeah, so I'm just saying it's Reach insane because how you doing? Come on in. We have Come a great show. show here. I know. So I'm saying it's just a thing. But, but that's, that's, that's good Wait, to you. can I just say one thing? Okay. This is embarrassing, but it's. I feel like we're an intimate crowd, and I can share this with everybody. The, when it first came out, I didn't know you swallowed it. I put the pill in my pee pee hole. That's what I just wanted to say pee pee hole. Okay, that's good. Okay. <laughs> the urethra. Is that right? Is that what you're saying? The urethra? Urethra. Urethra. That's like, that'd be yeah. a good, uh, that'd be like a good, uh, R-E-S-P-R-E-S-P-R-E-S-P-R-E-S-P-R-E-S-P-R-E-S-P-R-E-S-P-R-E-S-P-R-E-S-P-R-E-S-P-R-E-S-P-R-E-S-P-R-E-
and uh, after six or seven months said, there's nothing here but great comedy. And, and television was in LA, so I came to LA. And my big break, as you asked, was uh, did a couple little bullshit pilots and things like that, and then, like a lot of people, you know, goes nowhere. But I hosted an MTV game show called, it was called Turn It Up. <laughs> and, and, and that got me to spring break and but oh you know we did all the everybody did all the brick wall comedy shows. I, I remember I remember you yeah. like back then because you always you always wore like these uh, you always wore these sort of shirts like this yeah like like, like yeah. You know, that, remember the that's a nice fabric like, 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 but this is my friend <laughs> <laughs> so, look there's all because there's a did you wear a t-shirt just like back there how does it feel on the nipple feels good on the nipple do you ever get distracted like ooh okay. Nipples are very secure with the masculine. They okay. But you used to wear shirts. I mean, do you remember the shirts you used to wear? They were like these bright colored shirts, and everyone back then wore these shirts. And you did that, and you had to, you were like the James Spader comedy. That's what I remember. Wow. <laughs> you had to look, you had to James hand, you were like the James Spader comedy. And, uh, and now you have like the James James. I've, I've James grown just like James Spader. He's like James Spader in a different universe. It's like he's like the, uh, you know, Jerry Seinfeld had the weird Bizarro Jerry. Oh, yeah. You like the Bizarro Spader. I'll take it. Bizarro Spader. So come on in, everybody. Come on in. Live talk show here at Bob's Espresso Bar. I'm the Bizarro James Spader. Exactly. Ladies, come on in. Sir, come on in. Like, no, he's thinking about come on in. Great show. <laughs> come on in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for permission, King. Thank you. Who is that guy? <laughs> he was fun, though. He's he just having nice. fun playing along. Yeah, he was crazy. We should just call people. That's what, I think this is going to change. Instead of an interview, we'll just make comments on going. And by the time we get 40 minutes, we'll have this whole place packed. It'll be back. Bob, thank you for providing the instruments on the wall. In case, I mean, do ever, do, does it ever happen where people just get jacked up on caffeine and go, let's make a band, and then rip the instruments off and start jamming? All the time. All the time, Bob says. It's kind of an eclectic <laughs> group of instruments, by the way. Everything works. You can grab anything off. Everything works. I know you're a big uh, flute player. I'm so a big flute player. <laughs> Is that a metaphor for <laughs> no, okay. I didn't know. Yeah, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, back to the interview. Sorry. Hold on. You're a director. You're supposed to let me win. director. Yes. My bad. My bad. What am I doing? You started one of your commercials, and I started acting up, trying to get instruments off the wall. You'd be pissed. I would be. I'm not pissed because you're the bizarre James Spader. So you're doing the acting. You do not. You done your pilots. Did any get picked up or no? No. Um, well, I mean, the, the game show did. I did a kids show for about three years. And what was that? See, oh, that was a great gig. This was one of the best gigs in show business. It was called Name Your Adventure. Okay. And Mario Lopez, yeah. who must have some anti-aging cream, <laughs> because he looks the same now on that Entertainment Tonight, whatever he hosts. With, uh, as he did then on, on uh, Saved Save by the Bell. So on Saturday mornings on NBC, they had this show where if kids, they wrote in letters and they said what their adventure would be. Space camp, I want to be a spy, swim with dolphins, train with the you know San Francisco right. Giants. And uh, you didn't have to be terminally ill <laughs> to get picked. It was, you, you could be. What would you give up? Uh, no, 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 no. no. So you just recall. You turn the blind eye. Yeah, forget it. You know, kids blind, forget it. Yeah. And so uh, that was a great job because I started directing that show. Okay. I started directing yeah. episodes. It was like a reality How did, did manipulator. They, did reality. you ask to do that, or did you, in the back of your mind, did you want to start directing, or did they come to you and say, "We don't have much of a budget. We want you to direct." Actually, uh, I had been directing MTV stuff and Comedy Central little pieces and trying to build a reel and trying to learn what the hell I was doing. And I had a lot of nice people help me. And I, the network said, we want you to host the show. We want you to be Mario's sidekick. So I'm the second banana. Which I found out later that because he was a star of Saved by the Bell and I'm just some disposable comedian, it was really because I was disposable. So when it came to shark diving, Mario's going to stay on the boat, but Jordan's going to go down to the shark cage. 
Every, everything dangerous I did. Okay. Because the insurance, <laughs> the insurance on him for the show wouldn't allow him to do it. Like skydiving was a thing he did wanted to do. I didn't skydive. They they killed it. They, they weren't allowed. But they, he, it wasn't even an option for him to do it. That's insane. Yeah. But like snowboarding in Mount Hood, uh, we went to the top of this scary mountain, and I had never done it. Like I'm getting lessons in 48 hours how to scuba dive. Okay. It's probably against the law how they did this. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's like okay, you're gonna go with the shark. Just go with the sharks. You have no aquatic experience. You're going with the shark. Yeah. So, so to answer your question, I went in to meet the producers as a network recommend. They hired me. I went across the street to my then therapist. I left the therapist and said, I'm going back over. And I just showed up like an hour ago. I know I was here an hour ago, but I really want to direct. Okay, so they, they, you, you had that in your mind. You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the producer laughed. And he goes, but what do you have? And I showed him a tape, and he goes, okay, you got some stuff, but uh, you know, we got better directors. So he, we made a deal. If you produce six segments, you can direct one. And the first one I did was uh, how to be a director, and I went to a movie set, Hollywood movie set, and they were like, how did you pull that off? And I was like, because I really want to do it. And then I directed the next a lot of the next season and the season after that, and, uh, and directed stuff I wasn't even in, like with Mario and. Well, as you were like, directing, did you start pulling away from doing stand up and pulling away from hosting? Were you more going to focus more on directing, or were you still trying to do all the different hats? In the beginning, I wore every hat. Right in the beginning, but then oh. as, as you did, you start focusing and say, "I really want to direct." It wasn't a conscious effort to focus one or the other. Life is a meandering river. It's like when you're stuck on the 405, you surrender to it and go, hey, I'm just going to ease into this thing and let the traffic take me where it's going to take me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you did that. So I did that. I was doing stand-up at night. I would leave parties at my house and go to the improv, do a set, and come back. Wow. Because I loved it. I mean, once you get addicted to stand-up comedy, you have to do it. The hardest part about not doing stand-up is feeling guilty that you're not doing stand-up. See for me, I don't know, I, 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 I it used to be fun. I don't know. I think this is I think the scene out here is just beaten down. It's like it's not like it's just so many people don't have like back in the late eighties, early nineties, everyone had fun doing stand up. Yeah. And now it's just like people just do it just to get themselves somewhere. It's not back then it was the people because comics loved it. And it's just it's like for me, it cracks me up because I see, you know, some of these people they're saying on Facebook, oh I like five stages tonight. But you're hitting a place like Big Fish in Glendale, which you say it's an awful room. Ooh, who books that? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, why would you want to go on stage for seven minutes to other comics where no one's listening? And then they said they go, well, it's, it's doing my time. But that's not good time. Right. That's like, you know, and it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't help you grow. I agree that, well, first of all, we agree that stage time is invaluable. Right. But, but we, and we also agree. Quality stage time. That, that doing stand-up for a room full of stand-ups doesn't really help. That doesn't count. That's like you're doing stand-up comedy for a support group is not good. It's like a it's like a minnow falling in a uh, in a piranha tank. That's what it's like. A minnow in a piranha tank. Right. People just don't even want to sit as I love it. That's a good one. So the director. But I do but here's where we disagree. What do we disagree on? I think you can still go out and have fun. I think it's in your head. Because when it because you and Do who's in our audience tonight have been up at Flappers. They have that room in Burbank, off to the side of that little Yoo-Hoo room. I think that is a blast. I have a blast every time I'm there. And there are comics and there's real people. And uh, it's your attitude. I think you're just doing other things and getting burnt on it. I think you need a sabbatical. I don't need a sabbatical. He's like my therapist now. <laughs> but now, I want to get back to directing. Now, you're directing stuff. Now, you started directing features. You did a, uh, what is it, Dill Scouting? I did a film, I did a film, mockumentary. A mockumentary for young directors listening. A mockumentary allows for a narrative shortcut. Like a mockumentary is almost cheating because you don't have to have, uh, you know, a solid right. plan going in. You know, these shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm, they start with an outline. So if you're directing that kind of stuff, I think it's easier. And you have the actors improvise. You still have to have a good story, right? It all starts with a good script. So I made that film, and then I got hired for a couple of uh, and from that a couple film, of shows. Sundance. 
And we went to the same Nashville. Nashville? Yeah, what are you, Googling? I, I always keep oh, that idea up. The Nashville Folk Festival. <clears throat> I'll tell you, I made it. So this still County, it's like a country spinal tap. A lot of comedians are, this is umpteen years ago. But we did the Nashville Film Festival, and right there on the spot, the owner of the theater said, give me the print. This is back in the days when you'd love around five reels of film. Give me the print, we'll keep it here, and we'll run it for the next two weeks. So like, not even selling the film to a distributor, the actual exhibitor took the film straight from the filmmaker and kept it in the film. It was quite, we made hundreds of dollars. Hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's on video. Free popcorn. It's on video, yeah. I don't know. I'm by it. Can I rent it? Some of my films <laughs> are in the bargain. Well, it's not really in the bargain bin. They're balancing the bargain bin underneath <laughs> it to keep it level. They're buried under blockbusters. Like a shit. Yeah. Well, after that, though, you directed you directed some big stars. Yeah, yeah. Not big. So you're waking up in Reno, which I believe, what movie did my friend Lance work on you with? Was that? He was the DVR guy, video assist. It was one of them. Oh, Lance. Yeah, yeah we didn't have VTR on, on Waking Up in Reno. Well, one of them worked with you. Maybe American Girl or... Lance was on the third wheel. Okay, Lance now, on the third wheel. You'd work with uh, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, wow, going to be Batman, everybody. Ben, no, what movie ben, was that? That was called The Third Wheel. And it was before he and Matt Damon started that project, Greenlight. Mm -hmm. I like to call my experience project Stoplight. Okay. <laughs> Why was that? In the book, just because they were young producers, God bless them for making the movie. Um, I was my first time directing like Gun for Hire, so where someone else's script, and uh, it was crazy. Merrimax bought the film for millions. It came out. I think it was you know went straight to airplane. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, no, you look at it though. I mean, I'm looking at it as Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson. Luke Denise Wilson. Richards. Yeah. Oh, she was adorable. Now, were they great to work with? Yeah, great, great, young, great, they, great people to work. They're probably around the same age as you. Yeah, great so people. That must have been sort of weird for them to sit there. With a dad their age directing them. I don't know how yeah, they really cool. And I see Melissa McCarthy was in that. I, you know, it's so funny. Pardon me. I uh, <laughs> I cast Melissa McCarthy as Ben Affleck's love interest, thinking that that would be comedic. Right. So when Melissa McCar McCarthy blows up uh, on screen, Showtime then airs The Third Wheel as a Melissa McCarthy movie. But she and Ben Affleck make out on a Honda motorcycle. It's pretty funny. That's some good time. And now we go from your other movies. I know you're directing that. Did you hear the Heather Graham movies? Not Heather Graham. Right. Uh, Lauren Graham. Lauren Graham. Lauren Graham. I put her in her first movie. And how, how did, you, did you know her? Or did you cast the movie? Or I how cast her. I cast her. So she came. She auditioned. She auditioned and she was great. And so, she played opposite Billy Burke, who's the star of that uh, Evolution. Is that still on? Evolution? I, Evolution. I, don't, I don't know. Big hit. He's also the dad in the vampire uh, sexy movies. What's that? Twilight. 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 He's the dad of the human. Is that what you call him, the vampire sexy movies? Vampire sexy movies. So you're doing this, you're, you're directing, you're directing <laughs> a lot of these, these features, and are you enjoying it? You know, Come on in, guys. A great show. Come on in. Great show, ladies. Director uh, Jordan Brady. I'm, I'm live. I'm going to be taking questions later. We've got espresso. <laughs> We've got great cappuccino. Which everyone, Bob writes about the cappuccinos. Hell Lash yes. and uh, Diana Levinson are like, oh my god, they're the best cappuccinos ever. Bob, and they are very good. Do people hang out here like in a Starbucks and use your free Wi-Fi? <laughs> All the time. All the time. You know, it's weird. Like, I think it's cool to go to a cafe. I love working out of a cafe, whether it's a laptop or you just need a phone or something like that. But then there's a weird line that people cross where they hunker down for the day. <laughs> that always cracks me. There's a guy I know in the Burbank Starbucks, and he always, this guy's got to be like 65, and he always has stories. Always has stories about, you know, hey, uh, this, uh, I had this idea for a movie that got ripped off. Hey, can I show you the article? Can I show you the article? They're talking, that's me they're talking about. I'm like, dude, you showed me this article like five years ago. And I sit there and I think every day he just sits, his name's Isaiah or Elijah or something, and he just sits there with his computer and it's like one of those old laptops and I don't think he ever types. I think he just wants to look like a screenwriter. Like sometimes he just sits there and you're like, he's just hanging out. And you're like, what are you working on? Oh, nothing. 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 <laughs> it's like you sit there, it's like, you might have a cup of coffee, 
and then he'll sit, nurse that for like two hours, and then he'll, I know he probably gets up and gets like a refill, but it'll even like six hours. I think, you know, with the Wi-Fi, I think you should have a Wi-Fi limit. I think if you go in and you're not buying, I think you should, your coffee should be hooked up to your computer, there should be a device, so when your coffee's finished, if you don't refill in 20 minutes, your Wi-Fi goes off. I think that'd be a great idea. It's a great one. Let's market that. Let's go with Shark Tank. Exactly, Shark Tank. <laughs> I love that, Sean. If you watch that. So it's the, hey, it's the Wi-Fi. Come on in, folks. We're having a talk show. It's I'm Jordan Cappuccino. Brady. I'm a famous director. I'm a cappuccino. questions later. But no, so, uh, so yeah, I think that's because they, they sit there. And I saw a great article about how uh, Starbucks, and this was a, was a joke article, but some people thought it was real banned screenwriters from all their uh, stores. That's and it was funny. hysterical, because it was like 14,600, they just opened 48, they don't know more if they're gonna do anything. But some guy thought it was real. Like a guy I posted on Facebook, and the guy goes, well that's crazy. And that's like a thing, you don't wanna <laughs> sit there and say it's a joke, because you make them feel really stupid that they didn't know it was a joke. And you have to have some sensitivity on Facebook. Are you, now you, do you post a lot on Facebook? I posted enough. I posted I posted this show, I shared it, I liked it, I commented, I reposted, I tagged it, I tweeted it. <laughs> I said that I like tweeted I posted too. I think. But I want to we're gonna go back to this story. Oh. See we get I get I get diverse because I've known Jordan, he's been on Cooper Talk a few times. And uh, now you also do you directed Billy Bob Thornton and Patrick Swayze and uh, Charlize Theron in the movie. Yeah. No, so I think she goes by Theron. <laughs> Before we go into this one, yes, because I'm wondering if some people are going to bail on listening right now. I just want to say, I am road, I am road comic, I am road comic .com, five dollar download. Okay, the question. Because <laughs> <laughs> some people are like, what the hell this is, is this? Video. Video. This is well, this video. Yeah, we're putting this up video on YouTube. I'm gonna, this I'm is better, video. I'm this. So this is. Yeah. There's no listening to this. This is video. Is this a both of us a two shot? Yeah, right here. Three shot. There's only two people. I like the cameras. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, they're this, this is how I, I have high production quality. I love it. I love it. You got the, the armrest guitar stand here. Yeah. So, okay, what's well, so how was it directing Billy Bob? Was Billy Bob Thornton big yet, or was he just a little bit no? <sighs> you know, that was probably the hardest experience I had directing Billy Bob Thornton because he would accept my ad libs readily. I had to roll the camera and say, hey, how about this? And he would back up and enter the scene and do the ad-libs. And he would come up with ad-libs on his own. He's incredibly funny. He's super nice, especially to the crew and whatnot. He was a producer on the film. He was, uh, my only criticism is he was tardy a lot. Not very punctual. Not a very punctual guy. But to answer your question, he, uh, I mean, he's a fabulous actor. I've heard it's a that. tremendous opportunity for a young director. And some would say that was my first real, like, mini studio film. Because Dill Scotty was independent, right. I wrote it. Third Wheel was an independent film. I knew the writer, and I had to, you know, come up with scenes and stuff. Waking up in Reno, I was hired by Merrimax, Harvey Weinstein. But, uh, I mean, I didn't have the power to really bring it through. I mean, they chopped it all up in editing. It's the cliched story you hear about a young director getting his film chopped up by Harvey Scissorhands. It's exactly what happened. And, you know, Patrick Swayze, God rest his soul, nicest man in the world, super cool. Charlize Theron, how do you say it? Theron. Theron. <laughs> I don't pronounce stuff. I, you know, I call it, I call, I call it the, uh, the medicine, the axophetamine. I don't, I don't even know the correct pronunciation. Charlize was very, she was, had been in like Cider House Rules. She might have been in uh, Reindeer Games with Ben Affleck okay. before this movie. So we could do like uh, Five Degrees of Jordan Brady. Yeah, no, I, if I had a party and they all came over, it'd be a fun star story. Yeah. I would have uh, Charlize, was, Charlize yeah. was great. Natasha Richardson? Bless her soul. Bless her soul. Oh my gosh, she was, uh, I was smitten with her. Stole my heart. Had the hugest crush. Like, uh, not obsessive compulsive stalker, but close. I just, I really loved her. And she was so smart. And, and could come into the room and see the lights and go, oh, you want me to walk here and go over there and turn here, right? Because the lights are there and I look pretty. So that was so delightful. But the movie, the movie languished in post and got recut, second guessing. I call it waking up in blockbuster. Okay. Waking up in showtime. So when you're directing these movies, directing these movies, when did you come up with the idea to direct a documentary 
with I Am Comic. And you, was, did that come from when you were doing mocking, the mockumentary? Did you always want to throw out the documentary? In in the boom, with the boom of the uh, stand-up, right. my friend Wayne Fetterman, Google him. I know he's been on the Cooper Talk. He's been on Cooper Talk. Wayne Fetterman's on Cooper Talk. And in fact, he did the Wayne oh. Fetterman Film Festival. Yes. Yes, I know. I and he's on Curb Your Enthusiasm all the time. Wayne Fetterman was my good friend. And we had done a comedy duo act, okay? We did even at the improv and MTV and stuff because we were bored of doing our own jokes. So right. we said, hey, let's team up and we'll do new shit. So in the, in the early mid-90s, Wayne Fetterman, before I'd even made a feature, Wayne Fetterman doesn't tell me, his best friend, that he's gonna teach the UCLA extension class on how to be a comedian. I find out reading the extension catalog on the toilet. You know when you look at the classes and you go, I think I should learn something here. I don't really understand bookkeeping. I was going to go to Glendale <laughs> and learn Armenian because I live in Burbank. I, not like I heard some very, very hard language to learn. And I'm like, and I, I don't think my voice is like guttural. I don't think I, I don't think I can be like R without you know because you sound like an Armenian pirate. I don't want to. I was going to try to learn it, but I said it's just too hard. But I thought about it. I'm looking through the Glendale Community College. You're a giver. And to our Glendale listeners, each misses. <laughs> Armenian for hello, how are you? Shalom. Come on in. I'm a fam very famous person being interviewed by another famous person. Come on in. Raymond, have a We're going to do some questions later. Uh, I'm telling them about my, uh, our host Steve, about my first documentary. So my best friend doesn't tell me he's going to teach a stand-up comedy class at UCLA. He does it behind my back. So what do I do? Why? What is that? Why is it behind your back? Is it like? Is it? Is it like break some trust? Like did you want to teach a class? No, but I think if you're hanging out with a guy, like, hey, what's going on? Oh, by the way, I'm going to teach a class at UCLA. Yeah, That's but, pretty big news. Yeah, but sometimes people like sit there and go, those who can't do teach, maybe they want you to make fun of them. Perhaps. So what did I do? I went behind his back. <laughs> I negotiated the rights with the Regents of California to document the class, okay. how to teach stand-up comedy. So I showed up at the first class with my camera. He didn't know. He didn't know. Okay. I had a camera, and a tripod, and a mic. And I went around and introduced myself to the students. I got releases from them all. He came in and goes, what the hell are you doing here? And I go, I'm going to be here for the next 12 weeks documenting the class. <laughs> we had Janine Garofalo as a guest speaker, Bob Zaney. Bob Zaney, yep. friend, I, just, I called him. He told me to call him about doing Cooper Talk. And I called him. Bob Zaney, one of the funniest guys in Southern California. Now, he's a documentary, too, about him, doesn't he? He has a documentary, yeah, called Close But No Cigar. Well, you didn't direct it. I did not direct it. It's very funny. So you were directing these. You, you were so I made that documentary called Stand Up 101. I sold it to Comedy Central. Like I don't even know if it was called Comedy Central then, because at one point there were two it was the comedy, comedy young people. There were two comedy channels fighting for the comedy viewer, <laughs> and then some big executives, probably in a suit with a cigar, went, "Let's just merge them, and the people shall have laughs." <laughs> and they do. And they do. So that was my first documentary. And then after uh, I made yet another indie feature that I really like with Jenna Malone, uh, Clifton Collins Jr. He's a great actor, and Brad Renfro. Okay, I've yeah. worked with a lot of people that have since died. At a young I know. Age. I'm, I'm worried. I'm like a curse. <laughs> How are you feeling? I know exactly. I have a heart condition. I'm sitting there. Oh my god. I'm How are the nipples? In two weeks. How are the nipples in the silk shirt? Silk. This is polyester. And I mean, you can't see it, but there's a horse on the back. Can you show the audience yeah, the back of your young people that just joined us? This one of the worst nice. shirts you'll ever <laughs> see. <laughs> that is nice, but as you see, oh shit! It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's very cool. Were those two horses? Two horses. Yeah. Can I see that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> the audience is more requesting. Time. See one more time. One more time. Do yeah, another horses. spin. <laughs> two horses. <laughs> well, we don't even fit in with the shirt. It's, it doesn't make any sense. The shirt looks like a pajama top. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I wanted to wear a white shirt, but the camera it washes you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, at least I, you know, I was going to wear a t-shirt for this taping, but I thought, well, someone else just might wear a t-shirt. And, you know, it's okay. No worries. <laughs> By the way, the young gentleman, you're an African-American gentleman, right? Yes. Now, I'm going to be 50. 
and I like going to the club, and I wish that I was African American going to the club because it seems that wearing matching silk pajamas with a cane is acceptable for a black man. Yes. If I wear it, I look like a fool. Why is that? That is a very good question. You know what I'm talking about, right? The yes, hookup I, look. I do. I, I just, I just think it's. Do you leave the people alone? We. I was just saying. You don't go to the club. No, I don't go to the club. Go to the club. Look at me. Yeah, me and my boys are rolling to the club. No, you know why I don't go to the club? Because you're, you're married with kids. Nothing to wear. I took my wife to a show the other night. That's not the club. That's a show. Okay. We went to a hip-hop show. Okay. That's not the club. Yeah, but when you go to a hip-hop show, I see guys my age wearing the matching pajama look, and I can't do it. But your son is in the hip-hop world, right? My son's huge in So, was that his show? No, no. Jurassic 5. It's a classic rap. I know Jurassic 5. But they're an older hip-hop group. Yeah. You don't care. Where'd you see him at? Greek theater. Okay, because the Greek theater is the club. <laughs> the middle of Los Feliz, we're at the club. No, but you can dress up to Greek theater. I'm going to see an 80s concert there. So it's not. Who are you going to see? I'm going to see Howard Jones. Wow. Um, oh, yeah, uh, they have that the guy from uh, Ultravox. Yeah. The guy from the Thompson Twins. And the best one is. Just one of the twins? Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's other people seeing yeah. it. And then Katrina from Katrina and the Waves, but it's just Katrina. No waves. <laughs> and then there's a group called China Crisis, who's supposed to be an 80s band. And I've talked to a lot of my friends, and no one's heard of them, so I'm thinking, I never heard of them. But anyway, back to you. And Wait, Katrina, by the way. Just Katrina. I mean, she's so <laughs> I know, but you, everyone associates Katrina with Hurricane Katrina, so I'm already bummed out thinking about the concert. Well, you're not going. <laughs> like saying, like, there was an ad agency that I used to work with named Ground Zero. So that's absolutely oh, terrible. Yeah. Not, not since AIDS candy. Yes. yes. Has there been such a mishap? Well, that's like last night we were driving. We Ubered. We Ubered for friends. I love Uber. Uber. It's yeah. good because you can drink and drive. You don't drink and drive. But they play that that Sarah McLaughlin song. And I always think, it's so whenever you think about it, you think about the animal shelter commercial. Yeah. So I'm thinking, oh. at my funeral, if someone puts it on as a joke, Everyone's going to go, screw Cooper. We're going to go adopt a pet at my funeral. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's a silver lining, though. Because you're dead, there's nothing we can do about you, but a pet will have a home. <laughs> yeah. So let's get back to your okay. I Am Comic. So you did, you did last one, Stand Up 101. Yeah, did Stand Up 101, did these movies, did this other indie thing, and then, I mean, I been, went through the ringer, right? Making movies, you got to commit, it's, it's basically a year of your life. Bob, you know, I mean, you just got to commit to it and shepherd it through. So I said, and I've been doing commercials all the while, right? And I've done probably, because you're going to ask, six, seven hundred national commercials. And that's, I'm, I make a living as a commercial director. Which I heard is, well, what's very funny about commercial directors. <clears throat> do you know Jamie Keller? I do. Well, Jamie was, we were talking, Jamie was, you know, was in the show uh, My Boys and a bunch of stuff. He's, in two, he's been in two KFC spots. Now, what's amazing about this was, the ones where he's talking to the, the, his daughter, gets her boyfriend calling, it was directed by David O. Russell. Which amazes me because he's an Oscar-nominated director, American Hustle. You know that. Yeah. And during that, in between movies, he took a lot of commercial directors. Sure, he did. One, I heard it's very lucrative, but I heard it's very hard to get into. It's a, it's a it's a closed circle. It's hard to break into. If you're a feature director at the level of David O. Russell, you're basically answering a phone call, and they say, "Do you want a bag of money?" And you say, "Yes," and you show up and direct the commercial. So it's, it's not hard, right? and the skill set is the same as, like if you could do Three Kings in the desert, right? Remember Three yeah. Kings? Yeah. Young people, you should rent Three Kings. George yeah. Clooney, Ice Cube, who else was in Mark it? Wahlberg. Mark oh, Wahlberg. Yeah. No, he wasn't. He was Three Kings. He's one of the Three Kings. No, it's a great, great movie. Third King. It's a great movie. They're conferring. She's seen it. You've seen it? No, never heard of it. Never heard of it. Three Kings. Right. Maybe take three some three notes on the phone. This is a learning experience, sir. <laughs> Uh, you were doing okay, so I'm doing commercials, and I'm doing them for many years, three, four years go by, and I, I actually said I'm going to do commercials for three years. And like anything in life, when you go down one path, the other path, like you were asking me about, did I switch hats and direct and stand up and all that? 
Well, when you get on a roll, you make a commitment, and life just takes you this way. So I said, I need to make a conscious effort, because every time I do a bunch of commercials and I make some headway and have a career, I lose touch with my feature. When I do a feature, I lose touch with my commercial people. So I'm just going to focus on commercials and make a fuck a lot of boatload of money and uh, have a lot of fun and learn to be a good director. Well, here's what would happen. On the set of the commercials, as YouTube is born, the ad agency people are sitting around with their laptops with this new YouTube. Suddenly, clips of my stand-up comedy when I was young and spelt appear on YouTube. So I would come back and say, wasn't that a great shot of the chicken strip? <laughs> and they would go, we just saw you talking about, you know, uh, porno music. That was a big, big, come on in. Come on in. Order espresso. We're learning. We're sharing. So they would watch the clip and go, you were a stand-up comedian. And I would go, yeah, yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. And then they would say, what was that like? I'd say, well, you live on the road. I went from club to club. Had the banner in the corner. The I, did the caravan. I did the comedy caravan. I made the Big Dipper in my car. <laughs> and after about four or five years, when did YouTube start? Probably like 2005? Yeah, 2005. 2005. Thank you, sir. So in 2009, I said, forget it. I'm, I'm tired of answering the question. Why don't I just make a movie? And it's funny you should bring up Kentucky Fried Chicken because I did like 10 Kentucky Fried Chicken, not just spots, but groups of commercials. And we would shoot on a Thursday. And then I would tell my crew, tomorrow we're going to go interview a bunch of comedians. Okay. I'm going to pay you handsomely today and nothing tomorrow. <laughs> so I Am Comic was my documentary it's the it's a love letter to stand-up comedy, really. The uh, the art and occupational hazards of stand-up comedy. It's called I Am Comic. It's on Amazon. I'm sure you can get it for it's, a dollar. It's a, great, no, it's a great movie. And now, how did you find Rich, who Rich Schneider does appear here at Bob's? Who, Rich Schneider's been at Bob's, yeah. Yes. Now, how did you find Rich as your subject? Were you, did you know Rich? Were you friends with Rich? Or how did they come about? You have great comedians on it. You're shooting this. Thank you. He's the... He's the centerpiece. He's the heart of the film. How did that come about? Rich Scheidner was a comedian in the 80s. He was on The Tonight Show. He did HBO specials. He did all kinds of sitcoms. He did everything. Well, I had worked with Rich Scheidner in, like, Greensboro, North Carolina. You know, bumfuck Arkansas. I opened for Rich Scheidner. This guy did his body weight in blow back then in the 80s. I mean, he'd be coked up. And he would prance around the stage like a tiger. And he was funny and he would kill. Right. When I moved to L.A., he was like, when you move to L.A., you know, call me up, I'll help you out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I got him to do Cooper talk because you know, I said, I knew Jordan Brady called me. I said, hey, Corey, hey, Corey. Hey, Corey. <laughs> so I come out to L.A. when I'm a young man. I go, Rich, how are you? He goes, I don't remember you. So we didn't really hang out in L.A. <laughs> Years later, I'm going to do this documentary. So I'm Googling around in 2009, and I buy some books on stand-up, okay? The Comedy Bible, I think I'm in the Comedy Bible. I have a joke in the Comedy Bible. The Last Laugh by Phil Berger, if you're watching Young Comedians, The Last Laugh by Phil Berger talks about the history of stand-up comedy from the 50s up through like the Eddie Murphy era, and there's probably an updated revision. Uh, R.J. Cutler is a famous documentary filmmaker he did the one where they followed uh, the last issue of Vogue. Remember that document? Really good documentary. He did. He was going to do a stand-up comedy documentary. I'm looking around, I'm buying these books. Well, Amazon.com, through some strange algorithm, says, Jordan, if you like these books, you'll like I Killed by Rich Scheidner. And Mark Schiff, I believe. And Mark Schiff. And Mark Schiff and I used to have the same manager. I go, I know Rich. I know Mark. I buy I Kill. It's these road stories. So it was science. It was the matrix <laughs> that brought Rich and I back together after 20 years. So I called Mark Schiff. He wouldn't return calls. He didn't want to talk to me. He's, 
I don't know what he's doing. He was on a kibbutz. He was doing something. He was uh, I, apparently he and Rich aren't friends. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I, would, I yeah, think they are. She's good friends with Steve Middleman. Okay. Buddies. Okay. Uh, funny guy, Steve Middleman, right? Mark Schiff, very funny guy, very funny comedian. So I call Rich. Rich and I meet uh, over coffee. We start. To, oh, I don't do stand up anymore. Uh, I go. Well, okay. Well, uh, can I license the book? Well, you know the book. The book. So apparently, no. Well, can you help me produce this movie by getting, you get some of the uh, old guard comedians. I'll get guys that I know from like the 90s, you know, the Sarah Silverman's and the Dana Goulds, right. you know, people like Kathy Griffin, you know, people like that. Uh, Jeff Foxworthy, I'd worked with many times. Uh, Louis C.K., we got in the movie before he blew up in 2009 on a fluke. Neither one of us knew him. I mean, I knew him back when, but we right. were never friends. But he was—he blew up right after the movie. Uh, and Rich got Roseanne. He got Tom Arnold, Tim Allen, uh, Tommy Davidson. Just kind of as a flip. Rich knew him through some uh, club. I don't know. But uh, Rich Scheidner. The story of the movie is Rich Scheidner was helping interview the comedians while I would film them and we would write these questions and go over it. And he was seeing his peers, people that started after him. And Richard, if you're watching, you know this is true, you know I love you. He was like, he was so frustrated that he wasn't performing anymore and these guys were still getting the limelight. And then we watched comedians in clubs just hanging out and he's going, they're getting laughs, I want to get laughs. And I, I'll never forget, we were at the Comedy Cellar in New York City. He walked out of the club in a, in a huff, frustrated. I met him in Washington Square Park. Don't leave yet. This is, I'm getting to the end of the story. You're bored. What would you rather we talk about? We can change it, because you... I've got some errands to run. You've got some errands yeah, to run. Let the, let the, Saturday night. Let Thank you, though. Thank you. Continue. You know, you can find this interview if you want. If you're, if you're going to be on YouTube, it's going to be on YouTube. CooperTalk.com. That. What is it? CooperTalk.net. CooperTalk.net. Thank you, sir. Thank you, lady. Thank you, horses. Back to you met Rich in Washington Square. I, I go. I meet him in Rock, Washington Square, and I go. You got to do stand-up comedy. I'll give you six weeks, and in six weeks, you got to have new material. You're going up at an open mic night. You're starting at the bottom. So the film chronicles Rich from open mic through the liquid zoo. At the liquid zoo. <laughs> oh, the hell gig. To his triumphant performance on a Saturday night at the Laugh Factory with Tom Arnold and Tim Allen. You know, Buzz Lightyear. He's on the same stage. And Rich killed. <laughs> oh, I love them in the uh, Valencia. That was just amazing because. What he does now is he does his act, which is so funny, but interstitially he brings up these stories that he's working on his one-man show. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing to see him because he's killing the crowd, doing his bits, and then he just shifts gear, but you know, they don't know, and he's telling a story about Rocky Dangerfield's and balls hanging out and just stuff like that, and the crowd's loving his stories. Yeah. It's just, it's, it shows how talented he is, where he, he can go in between the, the material then stories, which I think he's sort of focused on just stories. Well, Bill Cosby is a storyteller. If you were to judge Bill Cosby on laughs per minute, Bill Cosby would fail. Right. Because he, you're engrossed in his story, and then he has a payoff with a big laugh. And you think he's really funny. Right. I love, I mean, who doesn't love Bill Cosby? Raise your hand if you don't love Bill Cosby. Everyone I don't see This place is packed. And there are no <laughs> going up, up in the balcony. Bill Cosby fans. Everybody, thank you. So, you do it with Rich, and now did you, was he happy to get back on stage? Rich was very happy to get back on stage. Now, here's the thing. My wife is a talented filmmaker in her own right. She made a real documentary called Free to Be Me about a group of dancers with Down syndrome. She followed the class, much like Stand Up 101, she followed the class of dancers from beginning to their final performance. It's heartbreaking, Google it, free to be me. She is a true documentarian when she does it. She also drinks commercials like I do. Side note, she was a choreographer. She did Baby Got Back. She invented twerking, my current wife. 
I say current people on our toes. <laughs> <laughs> true story. That's, that's true. But you're an amazing twerker. I'm an amazing twerker, but only in private. <laughs> so my wife makes a documentary. She is true. It's verite. She doesn't manipulate things. If it really happened, it really happened in the movie. I was a comedian. If I have to edit Rich to look like he's bombing at the black club by the airport, then I will do it for the betterment <laughs> of the audience. Okay. When, when Rich is watching Todd Glass kill on stage, and Rich is frustrated and walks out of the club, he really was frustrated and walked out of the club, and I captured that moment. But it wasn't really Todd Glass, it was another comedian. <laughs> and the other guy kind of bombed, and Rich was pissed at the guy who was bombing. And then back a week later, we filmed Todd Glass destroying him. It looks like Rich is jealous that Todd's getting laughs. I am not a true documentarian. So you did that, and now it became a hit. People love it. It became a hit. Finally. You know, I've, I, I, it's, it's a big hit with comedians, which really touches me. And young comedians, a guy put on Facebook the other day, uh, this is the movie that convinced me that I wanted to be a comedian. And here it is four years later, and he's a working comedian. So that's really cool to me. And Rich Scheidner is now working. Is, is still working to this day. Back to the road. I now. He went back to the road. I think it happened to kickstart his career. Yeah, I'm really happy. Yeah. And he loves it. And yeah. he just, in fact, he just played back uh, east, and uh, he said, hey, Cooper, you got any uh, Philly guys, you know, or Queens? So I looked the guy up, and the guy's like, I, I would work for free. Of course, I didn't tell which that. You know, I got to get paid. This is just to work with Shiger. And they did some gigs, and he sent me back. He was oh my God, it was great, you know. This is the guy with headlines in the Philadelphia area, but he was just, like, so happy to work with Rich. And Rich was like, yeah, I got to give you 15 minutes. And, and, you know, that was perfect. Now, you got to get a little deeper on your voice with Rich, because when you do it, it sounds like he has one of those stroke things, yeah, like, yeah. I used to smoke for a couple of years. Okay, well, yeah, we get a little deeper. I'm not. But you sound like he's like, he's like, God, I'm like, oh, wait, he doesn't say a sentence. Like, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. It's like that, that snidey whiplash. That's true. Dog. I'm just fucking with it. Just right. Right. Hey, so uh, now we're going to talk about, after I am kind of, why, I mean, we had talked about this before. When you decided to do I Am Road Comic, how did that come into your head? Really simply. Really simply. Here's the thing. I make I Am Comic, and I would talk to comedians who now book rooms, which didn't used to be the thing. It was more rare right, that a comedian would also be a booker. But now I think it's more prevalent where a comedian would book a show. Do in our audience today, good friend because of the movie. Come on in, sir. Come on in, sir. We're just sharing some stories, some cappuccino. Another fan. <laughs> uh, so, you know, people book rooms, and they, because of I Am Comic, people would say, hey, do you want to come do the club? And at first I was like, no, 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 I, I don't really do it that much. And I then actually, I booked you on the show. You booked me on a show? Do book me on a show? And I got to tell the audience, I do, a bit, I do a bit about lady. And, and I think the people who hate that is my girlfriend Joanne hates it, and you hate it, and you said it's not a funny bit, and you were doing my show at Flappers, yeah. and I, it was a younger crowd, and I did the lady bit, and for once it got no laughs, <laughs> except for Jordan laughing in the back saying, "I told not you that the bit funny. sucks." Yeah. Well, it's just dated. I know. It's so but funny. But I mean, if you do it for you, it's funny it's because it's dated. Funny. It's funny. Well, we're not, we're not talking about my app. So, <laughs> let's go. Uh, we're going to talk about sheer brilliance. Uh, so, we'll, you know, now we go Marla Brown. I love your app. I love your well, app. I'm getting rid of my tongue stories now. The Indian Viagra is one of my favorites. I'm going to my Fiero. Viagra bit was really good. I mean, it set the bar for the show tonight. <laughs> it, 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 it said that this is a loose conversational thing with well-planned humor, that we're not just going to wing it. Right, right. You had a, you got the computer. They were pretty much way in there. I do, all my shows. I do, I, I look at IMDb and I'll go to Wikipedia. Like if I had, if you hadn't been on before, I would know, I know your background. And I just sit there and instead of writing questions out, I go, okay, well, if I don't where to grow up, what got you into business? And then it just should flow. And I think that's how interviews should be. It shouldn't be like, okay, and it shouldn't be all <laughs> me talking. And it should be someone like, because you see some podcasts, people just 
they talk about themselves. Oh, it's terrible. And terrible. you're like, well, wait a second. That's why you have a guest on to talk about them. If I, you know, I could just sit here and ramble, you know, like I do on the streets by myself. But, you know, <laughs> I could just do that. But so no, so you're, you're, I am comic. I should. I am real comic. People were saying. So, so after I am comic, people started saying, "Do you want to work and do a set at the club?" And occasionally, I would say yes. And uh, Flappers, you know, my son Jake and I were seeing a movie out at Burbank, and we saw a guy who says, "You want to come see a comedy show?" We go, we go, yeah. We're sitting <laughs> in the audience, and was it? Were you there that day? I was bombing when you walked in. I remember. <laughs> and we you walked. Right? In, you were not bombing. You were doing well. And and they go, "Do you want to go do some time?" And my son's like, "Dad, you got to go up." So I did. No, Drew, the lights are blinking. Is that normal? Yes. Okay, oh. I didn't know. I didn't know this. Was, we had a blinking yeah, light. <laughs> it's been blinking. Oh, guys, the whole time. These are blinking the whole time. Okay, oh, I, I just recognized yeah. yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you could put a GoPro anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> they, put it, they put it on a beaver's tail. They put it on a. And we can see it on a motorcycle. It's got it on a mop bed right there. <laughs> I, I will take credit. And I am comic. Available on iTunes. We put uh, a GoPro on Andy Kindler's head to give the point of view of a comedian. <laughs> but we set it up as if it was a hidden camera, and you're seeing the point of view of the GoPro, and then we reveal and it, and it's this big thing head. on his head, like a coal miner. <laughs> uh, so so um, comedians asking if I want to do their rooms based on I Am Comic, but also documentary filmmakers Specifically, comedy documentaries have now taken off. And, you know, I, I went to lunch and, and sought the advice of a couple of guys. Like Michael Addis made a movie called Heckler, where he followed Jamie Kennedy. Right. We're yeah. now friends. And I asked him for pointers about, you know, how, how to cram material in and what a documentary needs. And likewise, people would say, hey, I'm making a comedy documentary. And I believe in paying it forward. I have had many people help me through my career, especially directing and producing, and I've had mentors in life that have helped me, so I want to help other people. So I do a phone call with Don Barnhart. Don- Out of Vegas. Out of Vegas. Now, Don was a comedian back in the day. He's, he's, we're the same age. We both started around the same time. His father, a very uh, accomplished television director who did some Saved by the Bells, if you want to do the Mario, Don Barnard, George Brady triangle. Big triangle. Big triangle. I think he did Saved by the Bell. It's a better story if he did. <laughs> so Don Barnhart did a documentary in Vegas about teaching comedy, Bob, a comedy class. Which, side note, I believe you cannot teach someone to be funny. You could teach them the mechanics of joke writing, help them get on stage. Come on in, young people. We've got just a few seats left. Just if you have to squeeze in, but don't tell the fire marshal. Okay. Okay. So Don Barnard saying, help me with my comedy documentary. I sent you a DVD. I watched it. I gave him some notes. Great film. I think it's on his website, donbarnard.com. And at the end of the conversation, he says, hey, do you want to do a gig up in uh, eastern Washington? Okay. And I go, well, it's kind of far. And he goes, you know, you do like 45 minutes, and it pays a couple hundred bucks a night. You can take a friend, co-headline. And I go, well, I got, I got like 10 minutes. How am I going to go to Washington and do 45 minutes? He goes, man, you just go. You'll figure it out. And I thought he was high. So I said yes. So I went to Washington. I worked on some material. Do you, I came out to Flappers a couple of times, worked on some sets. I bullshitted through you know, 15 minutes, do a little crowd work, and that was I Am Road Comic. And then I started interviewing comedians when I got back in town. So uh, I'll name some names. You guys shoot up your hands. You just hear, I'm talking about my new movie, I Am Road Comic at IamRoadComic.com. Right now, $5 download. Mark Marin. Raise your hand if you heard of him. Okay, young people, none. I'm not young. Uh, <laughs> Pete Holmes, Pete Holmes Show. Pete Holmes, got a fan there. Uh, T.J. Miller, very funny. T.J. Miller, yes. He's also in Transformers Four. Right. Gets blown up. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, Maria Bamford, who you directed her? I did her uh, Netflix special. 
which was in her, in her house. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. She did a show. Maria Baffer did a sit, uh, stand-up special where she performed in her house in front of her parents, right? Two people in the crowd. Two people in the film crew. That, I mean, that's really a testament to the performer that she could hold your attention for an hour without a whole crowd there. So it was really, really good. <laughs> Why didn't you laugh at that? I pissed you him just, off. You just, you just walked the room. I just walked the room. Jordan walked the room. So okay, so so I am coming to see I am real coming to see you. You tell your story when you're performing with Wayne Fetterman, right? Yeah, Wayne Fetterman, the guy from Stand Up 101, the guy we did the improv. I said, Wayne, go with me on the road because he still works as a comedian. He opens for Jimmy Fallon. He does some clubs. So we go to this cowboy bar, and again, it's funny because they have Jello wrestling at the club. It's very old school. It's so old school. It's a bar. It's not a comedy club. It's a bar. And you really have to have some chops. You know, it's funny because my material's half-ass, you know, half-baked. But there's two, it's funny. In watching I Am Comic and Rich Scheidner, when he first went up, he was so nervous. And he's reading his jokes before he goes on stage. And he's, he's like, going, he wants to get it, he wants to get it. My approach is more let go. When Obi-Wan Kenobi let Darth Vader strike him down, he became more powerful. So my thing was, fuck it. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're not going to like me at a bar in eastern Washington? You just did a Star Wars reference. I did. Which I actually wrote a very stupid joke. I tweeted it today. It was, I think there should be a Ramones cover band that dressed up like Star Wars characters called Jabba Jabba Hay. It's so stupid. Oh. I was trying to go deep. And you, you went with the Star Wars. <laughs> okay, so, so you go up there. So I go up there. I have a blast. And did the MC like, have to take a bus? The MC took a bus for 16 hours to do a gig at a, at a bar. And that's the state of comedy. If you're driven like that, you know, the, the money, I think the economics of comedy, and I don't know if we have to wrap up, but I'll say this. First of all, I'll say I'm comic. I am road comic is available at iamroadcomic.com for five dollars. I'll also say that in in the in the glory days of stand-up comedy, when, that we started off the show talking about, Steve, we talked about the comedy boom and you can make you know you make good, you make good living. Even as an MC, you make fifty to seventy-five a show, and there were so many clubs in the Philadelphia area, weekend clubs. I remember I found like my old schedule, and it was like I worked. I mean. Every like five years straight, there were so many clubs. And even when you're an MC, I mean, you had to be good. But you're sitting there, well, you go on a weekend, you can make, you know, you started, you had to make $150, $200, and you only drove like 40 minutes at the match. Sure. And it was, it was back then, you could, now that money is the money they pay features. I mean, it's going down. But yeah, you could feature and make a grand or $1,200 and, uh, and do week to week to week, so your expenses were cut down. Now, one thing that stays the same that we do in Iron Road Comedy. We kept track of the expenses. So the rental car, the free hotel, zero, eat at the club, eat free breakfast, steal food, fruit, <laughs> yogurt, eat lunch for free. So we, we kept our food expense zero for the whole weekend. And that was one of my friend Wayne's, uh, it was his only request that we don't spend any money on food. Okay. So then I interviewed the comedians we mentioned, W. Kamal Bell, Alonzo Bowden. Oh, boy, he kills. Jen Kirkman, Nikki Glazer. Do you know Nikki from her uh, TV show? Well, Jen Kirkman, I remember she was meeting you after doing my, oh, yeah. my show. Drunk she, History. She She's funny on Drunk you. History. That's how you know her. Yeah, we'll see uh -huh. Drunk History. She's done a bunch of Drunk History. She's done a bunch of characters. And uh, you know what? There's just so many great comedians in the movie. So did you do that? Now that movie's well, and now will there be another? Will there be like I am? I think I am both comic. No, yeah, I am both comic. <laughs> I am both comic because there's old school cruise comics where you go on, you be clean, you do old jokes. Your lady bit was killed on the old on the senior homes. The senior homes. Then there's like the booze cruise. Doug Benson. You guys probably know. Doug Benson, the pot comedian. Mm -hmm. He's an I'm Road comic. $5 download. 
and he does the Weezer cruise. So I think comparing Doug's world to the rock and roll crew and the rock and roll right. cruises to the old people cruises to the family cruises that have a club scene on it for adults, I think that's something right. Uh, somebody pitched me I Am Festival comic because there's all these, you know, Bonnaroo and yeah, ton of festivals. Ton of comedy festivals now. I am open mic comic. I will not make. I think open micers suck. So who the fuck wants to watch a movie about open mic comedians? That's true. I don't see any hands going up even in the cheap seats. So no one cares about that. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you. This is a good comment. Do we have any, have any questions? Any comedy fans out there? Any questions for Jordan? Anyone? Questions? Questions? Yes, sir. They don't have questions. <laughs> He's like, no, no. His question is, what the hell is going on? Good one, yeah. <laughs> What's that? It's a good one. Good one. Uh, I want you to buy I Am Road comic <laughs> for $5 before I run out of downloads. This, and you isn't, a, this isn't a psychic gig, right? This is uh, where you, like, convince me to do it without... I am trying to hypnotize you right now. <laughs> You're getting very sleepy. The sound of my voice is very soothing. You want to take out your credit card. You want to go to IamRoadComic.com. And what you want to do is you want to watch it with your friends. Now here's the thing, and I'll, and I'll end with this. I'm going to get this movie on, well, I don't know if it's Showtime or HBO, Netflix. You're going to see I Am Road Comic on your traditional places where you see your stand-up specials. And comedy movies. But I wanted to get it out to the people right now. So I made, in my studio, I made a bunch of downloads and I put them in the cloud. And I got a finite amount of downloads. I don't have downloads forever. And when these downloads are gone, there's no more downloads. So you better get it now before <laughs> I'm out of downloads. I can't, right. I can't, I can't make more in a really fast. <laughs> I am roadcomic.com. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan Brady. I'll see you soon. Thank you for coming out. And uh, yeah, so thanks. It's cool to talk. I'm only as my guests. And have a wonderful evening.